We are on our way. Now, isn't that a word of hope? If that isn't, then anyway. <laughs> well, welcome back to our series, Doing What Jesus Did. Um, last week, we took a break from our series, and we took a look at some well-known and familiar commercials that we've all seen on TV, and we saw how God can even use commercials in our lives as like a, like a parable uh, just like a visual parable, you know, Jesus always spoke in parables, and we saw how God could even, you know, use these commercials to speak into our lives, and, and we all had something that spoke specifically to us from the six commercials we looked at. But now, a week later, you know how parables stick in your mind, a week later, did any of those commercials stick in your mind? Who can tell me one of the commercials that stuck in your mind, and it's still on your mind, doesn't have to be the one that you picked for that spoke to you, but something that, one of those commercials that you remember. Anybody? The wedding toast one. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Kenny? The grind. All right. All right. Anybody? Yeah. The snowman. That's the one that's still, to. I mean, this morning as I got up and yesterday I was thinking about this, that's the one that just really sticks out in my mind when you had the snowman family and all of a sudden they got smashed to smithereens, you know, and, and that little girl's face, you know, the little girl's face that uh, on that was, uh, was uh, I, oh, I'll never get that out of my mind. Um, unfortunately, due to copyright laws um, and so forth, we were not able to, we were only able, I, I mean, we were not able to stream it and, uh, we could only do it live here, and we couldn't record it. So if you weren't here, I'm sorry, uh, but we weren't able to. There's no, there's no way we can send you back to, to watch that, but it was good. Well, today we're going back to our series, as I said, of doing what Jesus did. We're talking about continuing the ministry that Jesus began while he was here on earth. You know, we were left with a command. We were left with a commission to continue to do the things that Jesus did, that he began to do while he was here on this earth. And remember, as we started the series, going back to week one, we saw that the things that Jesus did, he did them from a place of affirmation. Okay, he did them from a place of affirmation, not, you know, he, he, not because he needed affirmation or was trying to earn affirmation from his father, but, but before he ever did any of his wonders, any of his signs, any of the miracles, or, or taught any of the teachings, marvelous teachings he did, the Father affirmed him. And so everything he did, remember it is baptism, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Um, with everything that, that Jesus did, he did it from that place of being affirmed of the Father. And really, in similar fashion, we do the same thing. We do the work that we do. We do the work of Jesus, the work of ministry, not to try to, you know, earn affirmation from God, but we do it because we already stand in, in a place of affirmation. We are already the recipients of His love. We are already the recipients of His grace. We, we do the work because, because we're already, we've already received so much. So we do it from that place of affirmation, not trying to earn it, not trying to earn brownie points with God. 
Um, and then we also saw how Jesus was able to successfully navigate through a time of testing where the devil came and tempted him for 40 days when he was in the wilderness. Now, he was in the wilderness to draw closer to his father through fasting and prayer to, you know, spend that time before he began his ministry. But while he was there, you know, the enemy came and made, uh, took advantage of the opportunity when Jesus was, you know, hungry and, and you had been, you know, alone, you know, 40 days in the wilderness without the support of the community and everything. He came and tempted him when he was in that, during that time. And, but he successfully navigated that without falling, and then he came and began his ministry. Week two, we talked about being clear and focused as to what our mission is. Because so often we get, we get uh, uh, distracted by so many other things going on in our society. That it's easy to lose focus on what we're really here to do. You know, the old joke, squirrel, you know. That's really what we're like sometimes, you know. We get so easily distracted with what, uh, uh, from what our focus is supposed to be. Remember Jesus' focus. He came to rescue people from the dominion or the tyranny of darkness. He didn't come to build a political empire. He came to rescue people. That's what he was about. And our focus on ministering to people, bringing people to Jesus, setting them free, that is to be our focus. That is what we're about. And to do that, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need His empowerment because none of us have the power to do that on our own. Jesus didn't even do the things he did in his own power as the Son of God. He did it as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus did the things he did, and we need that same empowerment. Um, you know, and, and then we also talked about the fact that we need to be able to see people as God sees them, not see them through the lens of, you know, wrongs they've done or, or anything like that, but see them through the lens of, okay, God, Father says, this is how I see that person. It's how he sees us. We need that lens of being able to see people as God sees them and then stay focused on our mission. Today, we're going to look at how we do the works Jesus did. On a practical level, how do we do those things? How, how can we do them? The first thing is to do the works Jesus did. It's important that we know the source and, of, and, and extent of our authority. Whenever Jesus ministered, everywhere he went, you never see him claiming to operate on his own authority as the Son of God. He never said, Okay, people, look here. I'm the son of God, so I'm gonna, I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want, and I'm always right, so you better listen up. Never did that. Instead, you see statements like this. John 12, 49. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. 
Jesus was fully aware that he had all authority to do the works, to do the things that he did, to teach the things that he did. He's fully aware he had all authority. Most of us are not aware of the authority that we have. Most of us are not aware of it because we don't use it. We need to learn how to use the authority that God gave us. <clears throat> okay, somebody needs to hear this. Um, it just keeps coming back to me. We need to learn how to use our authority to do spiritual warfare. I can remember a time when I was constantly getting attacked in my sleep by demonic forces. There was a season, and it was, I was like, I would just, I, I would, sometimes I'd be asleep, sometimes I would just suddenly wake up, but I was frozen and could not move. I literally could not move, couldn't utter a word, but I was being attacked. I don't want to go into specifics because, well, it's, I'll say this. I've always been not fond of snakes. I'll just leave it at that. And, and I had to learn how to take authority over the enemy and command him to stop. I had to learn to take authority. I had to learn how to do that in my sleep. I have no clue how to tell you how to do it. All I know is that you can do it. And God will help you do it. There is somebody here that needs to hear this. God will help you to do it where in your sleep you proclaim the name of Jesus and use the authority that he's given you to stop the attacks. You can do it. You have the authority. You have to believe you have that authority. And if you do, you will reach a point where you can, in your sleep even, in spiritual warfare that's going on, say no. Now, some of you that may freak out, I'm sorry, but that's, you know, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Um, but somebody here needed to, needs to hear that. Um, where was I? Uh, okay, so Jesus was fully aware that he had authority to do the works that he did and teach the things he taught, but he was also very clear about where his authority came from. His authority came from the Father in heaven. It wasn't his own. It was the Father gave it to him. He knew that, and he was settled in that. He didn't need to prove it to others. When the scribes and the Pharisees or the priests challenged his authority, he, he didn't respond in a way that he felt he had to prove himself. He knew where it came from, and he knew its extent, and that was enough. It was enough for him to operate in it. As long as he was doing what uh, and saying what he received from the Father, he was good. He walked confidently and in full authority, and he never strayed from what his Father wanted him to do. He never acted on his own initiative. 
The extent of his authority was determined by what he received from the Father. If the Father said and sh or showed him, this is what I want you to do, then he had full authority to do that. As we go about doing the things that Jesus did, doing the ministry of Jesus, then we must realize that, that we've got full authority to do the things he's called us to do. It was given to, to, to Jesus by the Father, and Jesus gave it to us. So when we use the power of the Holy Spirit to heal the sick, cast out demons, do any of the things that Jesus did, we know that we are operating in full authority to use that power because that's what Jesus told us to do. The things that Jesus told us to do, he also said, I'm giving you authority to do those things. But remember, he was acting under the direction of his father. He, Jesus did what the father told him to do, said what the father told him to say. He never acted on his own accord, and it's the same way with us. Our authority extends as far as our obedience. If we're not walking in obedience, we're going to have a hard time exercising our authority. As far as, we're, as we are operating in the work Jesus called us to do, doing obediently following what he's called us to do, then we're walking in full authority that he's given us. But that's the extent of our authority. In other words, it ends at the point we, we, it ends at the point we start just doing whatever we want. We do not have authority to go out on our own. Jesus didn't do that. We don't have authority to go out on our own. John 14.10, Jesus says, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And that leads us to our second point, and it's this. Look for what God is already doing. Look for what he's doing. Instead of looking at what God is not doing and then trying to make something happen, look for what he is doing and then join it. In John 5, <clears throat> the Jewish leaders were questioning Jesus because he was healing people on the Sabbath. Listen to what Jesus said in response. And John 5 says, But Jesus replied, My Father is always working, so am I. Then he says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He, only, he does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you'll truly be astonished. See, the Jewish leaders, were, they were under this impression that, you know, there were certain times when, okay, God, you can do your work here at this time but not at this time over here. Certain times when it's okay to do good, other times when, nope, you just better off just to do nothing. <coughs> and then certainly on the Sabbath, I mean, stay at rest. God wouldn't do anything on the Sabbath, would he? But they were wrong, and Jesus corrected them. He said, my father's always working, and therefore so am I. When I see the father working, I'm also going to get to work. That's what he's telling them. You know, sometimes it's easy to forget that God's always working. 
because he works in ways and times that we don't expect. It's not what we're looking for. You know, we're looking for this over here, but he's doing this over here. We're not always able to see what he's doing. But we can believe it. He is working. John 8, verse starting in 28, Jesus said, When you've lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am He. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases Him. Everything Jesus did, it was always about what the Father was doing. Even on the cross, it was about what the Father was doing. He was working. <clears throat> but the disciples, to the disciples, it looked like everything was just crashing down on them. Everything was falling apart. They couldn't see what God was doing. But the truth is, through the death and resurrection, through Jesus' death and resurrection, God was doing his greatest work. When, when the Father sent Jesus to be born in a human body, it, it was always about the Father's plan for Jesus to grow and one day give his life on the cross for you and for me. Everything in Jesus' life was moving that way, even when it didn't look like God was doing anything. When Jesus was arrested tried, sentenced, and crucified. It looked to the disciples like God had abandoned him. But he hadn't. Everything was still moving along according to God's plan. Jesus was still submitting to the Father's plan of redemption. When Jesus was dead and in the tomb, it looked like God was no longer working. It looked like Jesus had failed. It looked like everything was over. But it wasn't. God was working. His plan was still in effect. The disciples just couldn't see it. Sometimes in our lives, it looks like God is not doing anything. And during those times, we're tempted to step in sometimes and try to make something happen. Instead, may I suggest that we pray and ask God to show us, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in this situation? Because God is always working. So rather than going off and, you know, and doing our own thing, let's ask God what he's doing. And when he shows us, let's join him in what he's doing. So often we go off half-cocked and, you know, with our own plans. Well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And, and, you know, and God's like, be my guest. You know, okay, but I'm doing this over here. You know, we say, God, bless what I'm doing. Well, that's great as long as we're doing what he's told us to do. But if we're going off and doing our own thing, you know, then, then it's like, well, why? That's not what I'm doing. I'm doing this instead. 
Jesus was always looking to what the Father was doing. And that's how he knew what to do and what to say. John 12, 49 and 50, Jesus said, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me to do what, uh, commanded me what to say and how to say it. And, and but that second part's important too, not just what to say, but how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father leads me to say. And listen to Peter's words in Acts 2.22. Fellow Israelites, he says, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. God worked miracles, wonders, signs through Jesus. He was always working. Always, Jesus was always looking to see what his father was doing. And then once he saw what the father was doing, that's what he did. He never acted on his own. Just as the father was working through Jesus, he wants to work through you and through me now. Because we're here to do the ministry that Jesus started. He didn't just start this ministry and then go back to heaven and say, well, there you go. Have a nice time. Have some nice meetings. You know, I'll come back some one of these days and get you. No, it's. We always do what he's doing, and he's given us things. To, he's given us his work to continue. Philippians, I like what, what Paul says in Philippians 2.13. He says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire. Not only the desire, but the power, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, what pleases him? What he's doing, what he's telling us to do. What pleases the Father is what He is doing. God is working in us so that He can work through us. And then the third thing I want to talk about just real briefly this morning has to do with enabling us to go for the long haul. How many have known someone or you've been in that spot yourself maybe where you know, you've, you've, just, you've just become so tired you just want to quit? You just want to lay everything down and you just because because you're burnt out. OK, uh, you know, I've heard over the years so many people say, I'm just burnt out on this. I'm burnt out on that. And there can be a number of reasons for that, just as there are a number of ways to avoid that happening. One of those is to avoid it is to know what sustains you. You know, we're talking about this. There are, there are a number of different roads we could go down as we talk about this, but I want to focus this morning on one particular statement that Jesus made. It's found in John chapter 4. Now, in John chapter 4, as we read this, the disciples were on their, Jesus and the disciples were on their ba way back to Galilee from Judea. And the route they took took them through Samaria. Not the Jews' favorite place to be. They didn't get along with the Samaritans, but... That's the route they took, and they came upon a town named Sychar. And as they're, they're just outside of the town, it's noon, it's lunchtime. They're tired, 
they're hungry. Spent a long day of a uh, long journey, long, long day of walking. So the disciples headed into town to get food for lunch. Meanwhile, Jesus hangs out at the well. You see, there's a, there's a well just out to the side of the town, and he stayed back, hung out at the well, and begins engaging in conversation with a Samaritan woman, and reveals that to, to reveals to her that he is the Messiah. They wrap up their conversation as they're wrapping it up. The disciples return with lunch. Okay, they're surprised that he's talking to this woman. Not just that he's talking to a woman, but he's talking to a Samaritan woman. They, you, Jewish men just didn't do that. But they're surprised. They, they're afraid to say anything, though. But then she runs into town to tell all of her friends who she just met out at the well. And then the disciples speak up. It's time to eat, Jesus. Here's the food. Here's lunch. And Jesus says something. He said, I have food that you know nothing about. And then the disciples, you know, they're like, what? There's nobody else around. Somebody else bring him lunch? Does he have a subway hidden in his robe or something? Or maybe a protein shake or protein bar? What does he mean? And Jesus said this, he said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. My nourishment, my food. I think King James uses the word meat. Meat is real food, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I just got back from the barbecue capital of the world yesterday. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. Remember when Jesus earlier had been tempted to turn stones into bread and he responded with, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's a similar thought here. Physical food is not what ultimately sustains us. What ultimately sustains us is doing the will of God. That's where we get our nourishment. Now, physical food sustains the body, but it does nothing to sustain our souls, our true being. The thing we need to see here is that doing the will of God, doing His work, sustains us, and it is life-giving. When we do the things that God has laid out for us to do, the things he's told us to do, when we walk in obedience in that, that is life-giving. That's why, and in this church, we really believe we want to see, see people plug in and serve in areas they are passionate about. We don't, we're not interested in, well, we got a hole to be filled over here, let's get a body and plug them in there. Or there's a hole to be filled over here, let's get somebody and we'll just stick them in there. And, and we want to line people up with what they're passionate about in ministry. That's when it's going to be life-giving because God has put that passion in them. He's, he's, he's put that, that, that desire. He's put that area in their heart. So that's where we want to see people plug in to ministry, areas and, and, and serve areas where, the, where they are passionate, areas that, that are life-giving for them. I mean, it's not to say that we should never get tired, not to say that we should never need a downtime to rest, but what's, there, there, there's a difference between needing rest because you've been busy doing what God's given you to do 
there's a difference between that and being so worn out from doing everything under the sun that God hasn't told us to do that no amount of rest seems to help. There's a difference there. I mean, if that's the case, then, then it's time to reevaluate what we're doing. And, you know, what, what happens often, though, is what we do is we say, I'm just so tired, I'm worn out, I'm just going to back off from everything and quit. Maybe I'll get back in someday, but I'm just backing off. I've seen pastors do that. I've seen, I've seen others throughout the years do that. And it's like, I'm just going to totally back out. Instead, the thing we need to do is ask ourselves, what are the things that I'm doing that I know God has spoken to me about? What are the things that he's placed on my heart? What are the things I'm doing that are, I'm passionate about? And what are the things I'm involved in that I can't say that? The things that are um, nothing but a drain. And then begin to prioritize. Because when we're doing the things God has given us to do, those things are life-giving. They sustain us over the long haul, provided that we also get proper rest and take care of ourselves and do the other things we need to do. Then that ministry is life-giving. And then the fourth thing, this is the last one, thing, the fourth thing about doing what Jesus did is that we should always be looking to duplicate ourselves as we go. Matthew 28, familiar passage to many of us. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Going. Making disciples. They're connected. Not just go and do these things, but make disciples. Bring others along. Teach them to do what you're doing. That's what Jesus did. He didn't just teach. He, they first, first, you know, he taught. They watched him as he did the stuff. He did the stuff, and then he sent them out to do it. They came back, and they debriefed. They talked about, you know, hey, th this, this went well, this didn't, you know, rejoiced over these things and say, well, why did it, didn't this work for us? One of our core values here at the Vineyard is that everyone gets to play. You've heard, if you've been around at all, you've heard that, us refer to that a number of times. Everyone gets to play. There is no territorial ministry. It's not like, okay, this is my ministry and that's your ministry in a territorial sense. It's always about us training others in the church to do the things that we are doing. You know, now you want to find somebody that's passionate about the things that you're doing and say, hey, come along with me. And, and wh when I go and do these things, you come with me. And, you know, at first, if you want to just watch, just watch. But then when you're ready, you can, you, you can jump in and we train them. We, we uh, uh, include them in the work that we're doing. We should always be looking <clears throat> to include someone else in what we're doing. And the neat thing about that is that this is a safe place. 
It is a safe place. It's a safe place to try and to fail and then try again. We've had so many people try and fail so many things here, including me. I've fallen on my face so many times, but this is a safe place. It's all about discipleship. It's all about learning to do the things that Jesus did. And, you know, someone else coming alongside and and we're learning from them or they're learning from us. It's all a part of the learning process. It's all a part of the discipleship process. (coughs) Excuse me. It's it's all, it's learning to do what Jesus did. The the disciples did that. They failed. Nobody's going to think any less about you because you failed at something. <laughs> We've all been there. Excuse me. The only time you fail is when you stop trying. <laughs> you don't have to wait till you can get good at something in order to do it. You just do it. You just do it. And if you fail, then pray, learn what you can, try it again. You want to learn to heal the sick? Pray for somebody who's sick. Did they get well? Yes. Great. Did they get well? No. Well, okay. At least they know that you loved them enough to pray for them. Try it again. Learn what you can. Try it again. Learn what you can, try it again. Learn what you can, try it again. One of the times, it's going to work. You're going to learn something, and it's going to work, and all of a sudden, everything comes together, and boom, and it's like, boy, when that happens, you're hooked. You'll want to pray for everybody you see that's sick. You'll walk up to somebody in the store that's, that's coughing, or you'll walk up to a, uh, you'll see a pastor that's coughing during a message, and you'll run up there and lay hands on them and say, be healed in the name of Jesus, and boom, Let's stand. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, we really want to do the work that Jesus did here on this earth. We really want to do the work that you have called us and commissioned us to do, that you've told us to do. So, Lord, we ask you, show us our authority. Show it to us. Let us be convinced of the authority that we have, not in doing what we want to do, but to do what you are giving us to do. And let us believe it, be convinced of it, and let us begin to step out in it. Enable us to see, to look around and see what it is that you are already doing in front of us and around us. Enable us to see, Lord. Show us what you are doing. Sometimes it doesn't look like you're doing anything. But we know that you are. So open our eyes that we could see what it is that you're doing. Give us obedient hearts that Sustain us in doing your work. 
the work that you've spoken to us about, the work that you've given to us. Let us be sustained as we, as we walk in obedience to what you've given us. Enable us to see who we can bring alongside of us to disciple as we go out and do your work. Bring us somebody that we can go out and do the stuff with. Or show us who we can come alongside that's already doing the stuff and that we can work with and learn from. For Lord, if we're not already serving in an area, fill our hearts with a passion for an area that you want us to begin to serve in. And help us to come alongside and learn. Because we know, Lord, that doing your work, the work of the Father, will sustain us. And it's life-giving. And sometimes we don't, we're just kind of moving along, just kind of blah. Because we're not doing anything that's life-giving to us. Give us a passion to do your work. And as we step out in obedience, give us life in doing your work. Sustain us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me give you the benediction. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Amen. God bless you. Go out and have a great week. We'll see you next week.